If you like a lot of football on your YouTubes or podcasts or other things that you put in your ears, then Hold and Give, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of the Hold and Give Football Podcast with Ross Tweddle sat on this side of the screen, Jack Atkins sat on that side of the screen. If you don't have a screen in front of you, we're coming in both your ears. How are you doing, Jack Atkins? I'm, I'm all right. Thank you, Ross. It may look like I'm in a crack den, but I can assure you it's not a crack den. It may have been a crack den at some point, but... We're, we're all on the level here. How are you? The, the burning question on my mind is, what the bollocks is that in front of your window? It's, um, right, so... It's allegedly keeping the sun out, allegedly. Yeah, so I've got, like, a thin curtain, and then that's just one of the cat blankets that I've hooked up to the um, <laughs> curtain pole itself. So, as a result, the light is a bit more on me. I don't know what I'm doing. If We know this by now. Hey, so, it's looking, made a slight difference. It's looking very balanced. You look lovely. You look angelic, actually, with a little glow above your head, like a halo. Oh, we, we've been we've been trying the skincare routine, haven't we? Drinking plenty of water. What skincare? Anyway, did you know that Jose Mourinho did not win Manager of the Month in two of his three Premier League wins? He once won the, uh, sorry, he's won the award three times in his illustrious career in the Barclays or not sponsored Premier League. Was it the Barclay card in this first season? I can't remember that far back. I think it might have been. You're asking the wrong person. You know me. I don't know anything. Sponsors. Uh, he won it twice <laughs> in that debut title winning 4 5 campaign. Once in 6 7 when they didn't win the league because Manchester United won it. Meaning that when he won the league in 5 6 and 14 and 15 with Chelsea, he didn't have a single good month apparently, which makes those title wins rather miraculous. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's one of those. If you put stock into that kind of thing, like manager of the month and player of the month then... Oh, it's a what what a what a snub! What a snub! What a snub indeed! I just remember <laughs> Sir Bobby Robson, Alan Shearer winning it in the same month. Oh, that was a an emotional time for all concerned. Alan Shearer in his lovely brown leather jacket. You know, the you know well. exactly yeah, I know what that. I'm talking about. That is the <laughs> early noughties chic. Is that defining that Alan Shearer leather jacket? It's, it's the wrong shade of brown, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's more tan than brown, I'd say. Baby poo brown. Anyway, going from one <laughs> shade of brown to a lovely shade of claret, Aston Villa have signed Pau Torres for £32.5 million, pounds, or sorry, euros, I should say, with add-ons. He's 26 years old. He comes to Villa from Villarreal. Uh, he knows Unai Emery well, obviously, from their time together over there in Villarreal. This feels like one of those watershed moment signings for Aston Villa. Yeah, definitely. It's very good move for Villa. Um, obviously, like you said that Emery knows him, but it's it's already showing the, the pull of Emery himself, the fact that you can just go over to Paltaris and be like, come on, we've got into Europe, but we've got a project going on here. Come get involved. And he's gone, yeah, fine, why not? Yeah, and I guess the, the lure of the Premier League is there, you know, the special, the most specialist league in the world that all the, the pundits say is the most specialist. Ooh. Oh, of course, yeah. Even though everyone <laughs> knows the best league in the world is the English Championship. There is no finer competition than the, uh, the English Championship, in my humble opinion. Is it still, I remember for a while it was like the fourth most watched league in the world. I'm not too sure if it's still up there. It deserves to be first. I've got no stats in front of me. I've got no idea what you're talking about. It was just because uh, it was a few years back, admittedly, like everything I referred to. But I think at the time it must have been something like, you know, uh, Premier League 1, La Liga 2, maybe Serie A 3, and then like Championship 4th and then the Bundesliga, just because the Championship was that competitive that everyone was just like, oh, it's class there. It's the best league in the world. Anyway, Pau Torres will not be going to that league. He would think with Aston Villa, obviously on the upward surge over uh, last season since uh, Unai Emery took over Steven Gerrard, who just, he's not in the news this week at all, but he did that thing where he looked like a bloody 
dictator at a table with his little flags either side of him like it was some sort of presidential address what i've i've not actually seen the video i've just seen the screen cap that's all i had to see with before dean disgusted steven gerrard being over there what were your thoughts on that did you see the video I, I, no, I did the same as you. Saw the screenshots, and like we talked about last week, Stephen Gerrard can't act in any way, <laughs> shape, or form, especially when he's getting Pringles passed to him. But yeah, it was just—I think someone said it looked like he—he he was a correspondent for a war. <laughs> and that was just a spare room in his house, littered with it's, little flags everywhere. I couldn't believe my eyes, me. It's it's weird though, considering that Gerard's part of that generation that were were brought up being media trained as well. He's just terrible. <laughs> you got to want. I reckon he's a proper loose cannon when the, the media training is not like in the front of his brain. Because that's what I always hmm. think with footballers who are really boring for the press. I think that they're always overthinking everything they've got to say. And when the cameras aren't on, I bet he's a barrel of laughs. Yeah. That, that dry scalp humour. <laughs> Look at that face. <laughs> I just realised what I was saying there about Gerard, who's never shown any bit of charisma in his life, has he? Like, not in terms of his, obviously his football. He was he had a lot of je ne sais quoi, a lot of hmm. swag. But I mean, in terms of talking, even on BT Sport, he was just a bit like. Eee. I'll let that one slide, but eee. yeah, I agree with you there. And he's probably <laughs> the best player in my club's history, but. <laughs> It's one of them. Hey, Shearer's is the same unless you get him pissed as a fart and get him singing Lionel Richie. Do you see those videos from years ago? Oh no! Oh, he's that seen, sounds wonderful. He's got a breadstick. It's after even one of it might be Euro twenty sixteen or the World Cup in eighteen. I can't remember which one. And he's the BBC crew out for a meal, just getting drunk. Shearer's had one too many. He's got a nice long breadstick. He's singing into it like an old fashioned seventies microphone all night long by Lionel Richie. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Somebody, bah, somebody, jumbo, jumbo. You know that one? Yeah, of course. I just imagine him going, oh, tonight is going to be a party. <laughs> no, his voice goes really light. He's got some good range on his voice. Anyway, back to the football chit-chat we hate to speak about this week. Uh, Fulham reject a €30 million Euro bid from uh, uh, Al-Hilal for Alexander Mitrovic. Good for Tony Khan, Shahid Khan, whoever's involved, Cher Khan, all the Khans. Well done for turning that bid down, I'm sure. They're going to get one more for a man who scored a fair amount of goals over the last little while. Um, he was in my underrated team of the year for the Premier League this season. So I think I can't remember the top of the, top of the head what he got, but his contributions for Fulham were fantastic. Mm. It's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, because I, I looked up his age because I thought, oh, we must be about 32, 33. Mitrovic has been around forever. 29, I think. Yeah, 28, 29. Um, yeah, thirty million seems a bit low, and like you say, when he when he hits his purple patches, he's he's almost unplayable. Um, but yeah, if I wouldn't sell if I was Fulham, keep hold of him. No matter what money they offer, that's the thing. You got to mm. say no. Just turn them down unless they're offering silly, silly money, which we know they've all got because there's no mm. ramifications over there. It's like the Milinkovic Savage thing this week as well. I'm just looking at his age now just to check I wasn't wrong. He's twenty eight. Lazio captain going over there. For all the money, it's it's happening. It's... The watershed transfer deals. It was it was all fine. When it was like Karim Benzema completed football. Cristiano Ronaldo done pretty much the same thing. Uh, but now they're getting players in their prime. It's it's a worrying state of affairs. Yeah, it was ne- it was Neves the first one, wasn't he? Yeah, Ruben Neves, twenty six years of age, he is as well. Oh, I know, terrible. And speaking of players in their prime, Everton have signed Ashley Young on a short-term deal. He's 38 years old. Sean Dyche just loves the players that he knows he can trust. And he knows he can trust Ashley Young to be not as good as he used to be. Maybe filling it right back and do a job there. Imagine that, a right-back duo of Seamus Coleman and Ashley Young. 
Um, yeah, it's very strange this one. I'm I'm wondering though. I'm I'm, I'm thinking that Sean Dyche obviously he wasn't as old, but I'm thinking Sean Dyche is looking at this, thinking, do you know what? Ashley Young could be our Gary McAllister. He could be an absolute. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a dime in the season. Um, that's very strange, isn't it? Very yeah. strange. Yeah, I've, I've, I've just sort of written off Ashley Young, yeah, because I, I think at Villa towards the end, he was playing right back. But of course, he did make his name as sort of a more attacking player. Imagine if they played him in the hole behind Calvert-Lewin and he was just popping up left and right like like, like prime 36-year-old Gary McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be I the mean, modern-day equivalent, surely, hasn't it? Well, that's the thing, but I think the thing that made me laugh is... I don't know if it was an actual quote from Sean Dyche or what, just the kind of the vibes that Everton are putting out there that they're saying, this is the time for a big rebuild. We need to sort the future of this club with 38-year-old Ashley Young. That's what you get when you build a brand new stadium on water. <laughs> That's got to have made that project 10 times more expensive than it would have been otherwise, surely. Oh, yeah, more than likely, yeah. Um, I was I was in the area for it the other day, though. Um and yeah, it looks like it's coming along nicely. That's all I can say about it. Does it does look nice to be fair, but the fact you had to build a new floor on the water, sure, just mm. build it in land, for goodness sakes. Anyway, that's surely got to be affecting their transfer dealings, as has got to be their transfer dealings from years gone by. So, lol, let's get the board out, whatever, and I don't know what to say. Oh, Bill Kenwright down with him. Yeah. Hope the Kenwright. I see. Yeah, it's. Uh... It looked like Ken Wright was uh, out the door the other week and then he just kind of rolled back and he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And all the Everton fans were just like, oh, go away, Bill. Mashiri's got like more say now, has he? Was he elected onto the board or something like that as well as being chairman or something like that? It was, there was a change for him as well. Yeah, there was, um, I think, two high-ranking board members left in the wake that they thought Mashiri was about to sell up because... Of, I want to say there was some kind of either an investigation or an investigation was going to be launched saying the numbers are a bit funny here but um i don't know the, the ads the ever i don't believe anything until it's right in front of me with them they're just they're an odd team yeah and yeah. that's not just me saying it because i'm from liverpool and a liverpool fan they're just they're just they're just weird the way they're at oh, i can't i can't get me head around it. it just feeds into the old famous chant doesn't it the ev have got no money and we're all on the beak uh, there was some sad breaking news before we came on the air here today to record. The FA have charged Nottingham Forest defender Harry Toffolo with 375 betting offences between 2014 and 2017. Obviously, it's the same sort of situation as the Ivan Tony thing. You'd think a sort of similar ban would be coming in because I think Tony was a bit less, was he? I can't remember how many he did. Talk some words, Jag, as well. I Google it. Yeah, it's it, we've said it before. It's it, it seems very hypocritical seeing as a lot of football sponsorship and a lot of football coverage sponsorship is you know propelled by these betting companies um yeah it's it's a mess that they're trying to clean it up but instead until they've fully put the curb on it it just feels a bit grubby doesn't it it does yeah it was 232 betting offenses for uh, uh ivan tony and 375 for harry toffolo so you'd think he's going to get a larger ban than tony did mm. uh, it's just as you say there just the, the, obviously nottingham forest i can't remember who their main sponsor is is it boxed they're not oh, couldn't better. tell you. No. Um, just the fact with Ivan Tony, the fact he's going to come back from this big ban from this issue that he's got an addiction to, and he's now going to be a, a billboard for a betting site playing for a club. Yeah. As I learned via Simon Jordan this week, that uh, their chairman or owner, whoever, made his money in football betting. 
So yes. it is messed up from start to finish. Anyway, from the bad news to the good news, England win the under-21 Euros at the weekend there, thanks to fantastic goalkeeping, first and foremost from James Trafford, and also from uh, player of the tournament, Newcastle's Anthony Gordon. And don't forget, you know... Nah, nah no, nobody else was to thank there. Nobody else. It was just those two. They were the two <laughs> shining lights in that England team. We're not talking about man of the match in the semi-final and the final and score of the best deflected goal you've ever seen, Curtis Jones. I guess we need to thank the, the People's Republic of Liverpool for lending us uh, Curtis Jones for the period of the tournament. Now I guess he's gone back and got his scouts passport again, has he? It's uh, it's it's one of those it's it's one of those international breaks that's actually served Liverpool play as well because one of the reasons we've not always been keen on it is especially with the mid mid season international breaks, our best players go and somehow just get absolutely knackered and come back injured. <laughs> with with this one, we were just like, right, if if anything, Curtis Jones needs game time and he's bossed it, so he's coming back. I know it's the old cliche. He feels like a new signing, Ross. Like a new <laughs> signing. But he was playing lot, lots towards the end of the season, wasn't he? Sort of clopping. He was. Yeah, he, he, it looks like he's over, touch wood, overcome whatever kind of niggling injury pains and maybe growing pains that he was having. Because there was, there was rumours that he was only allowed to train on specific days and if that training day fell on a certain day he couldn't play at the week etc something weird like that but the fact that he, he seems to have gotten over it he was looking really sharp towards the end of the season and he's carried it over into this tournament yeah I'm I'm happy it's nice to see because but, you, you think of uh, Curtis Jones from just a, a complete outsider's perspective he's a bit of a fancy Dan isn't he he's got the haircut <laughs> he's got the swag of a man who thinks he's better than he actually is but it's nice to see him now putting the performances that backs up that sheer cockiness yeah you know well, what I mean no, getting back to it going to the performances like you said we've got to give some uh, praise to James Trafford for that that stoppage time penalty save the, the stones on the boy the stones on him I, it, it, I wasn't aware that he's the guy who's actually moving to Burnley uh, for £19 million from Manchester City's academy. He spent last season on loan at Bolton in League One. Now he's going straight to the Premier League, Manchester City's academy, or helping them balance the books, the bastards. £19 million for a League One goalkeeper, essentially. <laughs> Never seen the like, have you? Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic double save. The bench going wild. Yeah. England winning the tournament for the first time since 1984, I think it was. Mm. Um, something about that, yeah. Something like that. So yeah, you'll, you'll remember, obviously, you were there, weren't you? I was there, yeah. I was only uh, 52 years old at the time, so my memory <laughs> and my faculties were still, in, uh, you know, sharp. <laughs> but up the England, let's win more tournaments. Uh, good news from Saudi Arabia. Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasser have been banned by FIFA from registering new players, which is a huge blow, obviously, for the new Saudi... Well, not the new... The reinvigorated Saudi Pro League, let's call it. Uh, Al Nasser have bought in Marcelo Brozovic from Champions League finalists in the Milan, but their transfer business might be done for the foreseeable future. FIFA have prohibited the club from registering new signings, whether it be domestic or international transfers. The ruling was imposed uh, for this uh, for three transfer windows in his relation to the club pay, or failing to pay owed add-ons to Leicester City as part of the £14 million deal for Nigerian striker Ahmed Musa. Uh, it's said that Nasir owed the Foxes £390,000 but have yet to pay up and have now been punished as a result. And I find that funny that for such a, in terms of their finances and what they can spend on things, such a paltry sum has seen them not being able to sign a player now for the next three transfer windows. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you hear, um, you know, big lottery winners and then like 24 months later, it's like, oh, I forgot to pay me council tax and I've lost all my money. It's like, God, it's nothing to them. Um, me being, you know, 
miserable arsehole. I'm thinking, ah, oh, they've probably not just given FIFA a little backhander, have they? That's probably what it is. Oh, God, you think it could have been a lot worse, but they've gone like, woohoo. Yeah, oh, more, more than likely. I mean, saying nothing, I mean, this is based on nothing. This is the opinions of a man. Uh, this is not based on anything at all. Uh, this is, you know, it could be a complete flight of whimsy and a flight of fancy, but, you know, you know. You know, I mean, there's no England there to suggest that FIFA are corrupt. There never has been. There wasn't just a World no. Cup in Qatar or anything like that. A Netflix documentary mm. exposing a lot of stuff. But Musa scored no. just five times for Leicester, by the way. But he's also scored now 14 times in 62 for Al Nasser. He helped them win the league in 2018 and 2019. Cristiano Ronaldo is in tatters. He's not going to win the league if they can't bring in new players. All these new players go to the teams. He's going to be so angry, isn't he? I mean, it doesn't take much to set him off. He's uh, he's He's... He's a precious flower. I mean, with, with the career he's had, can you blame him? <laughs> Being a precious flower. Yeah, why not? If, <laughs> if I was told every day from the age of about 12 that I'm, you know, God's gift to sport, I'd probably be a bit of a bit of a delicate flower myself. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, speaking of flowers, daffodils are from Wales. And Mikel Arteta was keen on joining the Welsh coaching centre before taking on his head coach role at Arsenal. Speaking to S4C, former Wales assistant, now I don't know how you pronounce this, Osain? Osain? Roberts? Osain? Osain? Ashan. Ashan. We'll go for Ashan. Ashan Roberts spoke of how he nearly got the main job ahead of Ryan Giggs when Chris Coleman stepped aside in 2018 to go to Sunland. Obviously, famously part of that Netflix documentary. Sunland. Chasey Chips. Uh, revealing the. <laughs> Revealing that Arteta was keen on joining his coaching setup. This is what he had to say. I had spoken to Mikel Arteta and Thierry Henry to come in as assistant coaches with me. This is what Sean Roberts is saying. I've never heard of Sean Roberts. This is this is sensational. Mikel wanted to come and he was keen. This is what he's been saying. The day before the interviews, he asked if Manchester City. Uh, if he could come along to their setup, the club stopped him from attending the day before the interviews. Uh, that was a disappointment, but we were, st- we-, we were still discussing with Thierry. Thierry said, "Get the job first, and then we can discuss further." Ooh, uh, what a sassy bitch! Um, Arteta obviously—I uh, well, say obviously—I didn't know this. I don't think anyone knows this, did they? Unless you were in that Wales under-16 side, he got his uh, UEFA coaching license by doing their things. By coaching the Welsh team, you have to coach players, don't you? Real life human beings yeah. to get these badges, and this was the the Welsh under sixteen side. Yeah, this is all all news to me. I mean, I think the temple it dodged is a bit harsh for Arteta, but not getting this job and then going on to eventually become head coach at Arsenal, it's a bit bit of a de- bit of a step up, isn't it, really? It's a bit of a step up. Again, go to the Pep Guardiola's assistant from that potential job of being O'Shawn Roberts' assistant. It's a it's mad how football works at times, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, like like you, I'm I'm not too familiar with Sean Roberts. There's where we get like a massive fan of the Welsh league messaging in, what, saying, "What do you mean you don't know TNS legend Sean Roberts?" Um, but yeah, I'd, like you said, everyone's got to get the start somewhere. Everyone's got to coach wherever. Um, but it's it's more the idea of um, I can't imagine Thierry Henry in Wales. Why not? <laughs> He loved the day out as, of Cardiff in the early noughties. What are you on about? I mean, as, you know, an honorary Welshman myself, because I've got Welsh family, so when the, when the occasion calls for it, I say I'm Welsh. I just can't imagine Thierry Henry there in the rain eating cheese on toast. <laughs> <laughs> but you can imagine him in London, in the rain, eating cheese on toast. Yeah, because it's a bit more cosmopolitan <laughs> London, isn't it? It'd be fancy cheese on fancy toast, obviously. Exactly, 25 quid. 
oh, the prices in London do make you sick. I was just there last weekend, and oh, I don't know. I'm glad I'm up from up north. Let me tell you, that's all I've got to say about London. Way too, way too pricey. How much was a pint? Go on. A pint of lager. Well, in the O2, which I know is a bit different, it was eight pounds seventy-five. And I nearly mm. had a hamstring tear just getting me card out of my wallet. It was disgusting. But then you go into the centre of London, you're still speaking six to seven pounds for a normal pint of lager. It's, it's a disgrace. Yeah. It's a disgrace. He's, he's not keen. Look at his face. That is, this is sincerity. I'm like Didier Drogba after that Champions League semi-final. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. <laughs> disgrace. You know, when that referee bummed Chelsea out the semi-final. I don't know why I used the word bummed there. I'm having a right mare today. They bummed Chelsea. <laughs> what did Chelsea. you do? <laughs> You doing that at the bar as Aaron Morrison drags you away down the funnel. <laughs> what a semi-final it was. Anyway, from some, you know, some japery there, some sad news over the weekend there. Uh, former Manchester United Ajax and Netherlands goalkeeper Edwin van der Sar remains in intensive care following a bleed on his brain. The 52-year-old was taken by helicopter to a creation hospital last Friday while he was on holiday with his family. Ajax released a statement saying his condition was stable but concerning and that he will remain in intensive care for the time being. Uh, van der Sar recently resigned from his role as Ajax's um, chief executive. There was links for them go to Manchester United but the way that Ajax, I think they finished third last season which is the the finished maybe ever <laughs> maybe suggest that he, he couldn't have been getting back into football and was just going to take a break his wife provided the most uh, recent uh, update was Satya on Wednesday the 12th of July when she said Edwin is still in the intensive care unit but is stable every time we go visit him he is communicative uh, we have got to wait patiently to see how the situation will develop he's not in life-threatening danger which is the best of a bad situation yeah all the best to Edwin Van der Sar um, like like the um statement said there he's not in life threatening danger so hopefully he can make a full recovery and whether it you know enjoys retirement or returns to the game you know whatever's best for him at the end of the day way I and now more sensational news because the oldest professional footballer in the world Japan's Kazuyoshi Miura I think that's how you say it has been handed a new contract in Portugal meaning he will st- he will still be getting paid to play football at the age of 57 he started his career all the way back in 1986 Miura has joined Portuguese second division side Olive Olivarense I think I'm going to go with the pronouncer there making it sound Italian for no reason whatsoever on loan from Yokohama in January he's managed no good goals and three appearances but still earned a new contract somehow he told Sport TV <laughs> I intend to play until I'm 60 so fair play to him yeah definitely um, wow tends <laughs> <laughs> to play until he's 60 um, yeah because I not to bring it back to me but uh, I turned 35 this year and I keep saying to my friends like if I was a professional lads, I'd be I'd be done but no apparently not I could just go to the Portuguese league and play for another 22 years yeah, I mean like it's it's not as if he's been in prolific form over the past few years you go back to the 21 season for Yokohama one appearance no goals you go 2020 four appearance no goals the season before three appearance no goals 2018 nine appearances no goals 2017 12 appearances one goal 2016 20 appearances two goals 2015 16 appearances three goals he's crap <laughs> <laughs> that, that season where he scored one goal and must have been in his fifties. Imagine if you were the keeper who let one in. <laughs> to be fair, around he seemed like he's uh, he, he topped out in the year two thousand and one. He got a season where he had twenty nine appearances for Vassell Kobe in the J one league. Uh, twenty nine mm. appearances, eleven goals. So that seems to be where he dropped off. Yeah, he was quite prolific before that. <laughs> I was going to say at age thirty five as well. <laughs> 
But ever since the 2001 campaign, he's been absolutely awful. He's been stealing a living from the beautiful game. Down with Kazuyoshi Miura. Down with him. Anyway, also down, <laughs> down with EAFC 24 as well because the cover Ooh. was released for their new game and their graphics were a hit. And I think there's a, lesson, a letter missing from that because they were hit. I can't say it because YouTube will demonetize us. They murdered Bukayo Saka. Uh, Rudy Voller must be spinning in his grave even though he's not dead yet. Uh, Ronaldinho looks absolutely knackered, which you would expect when it comes to his lifestyle currently. I follow him on Instagram and all he seems to do is drink in hot tubs with the ladies. And I imagine that takes out you after a certain period of time. <laughs> well, it was the old rumour years ago, wasn't it? That, um, was it when Ronaldinho joined AC Milan that after a while Kaka, because Kaka, Kaka's a bit sanctimonious, he was like, I don't like this fellow as a as a as a strong fundamentalist Christian. I don't like this fellow who's just doing lots of shagging. Can I get out, please? <laughs> but, um, why, I forgot that's why he left Barcelona, was it? Because he sort of fell out with um, with Frank Rijkaard. Yeah, or was it with Pep? But, I might have got my lines crossed there. Was Pep? Oh, was it the early days of Pep? Potentially. Oh. <laughs> I spoke about another video the week and I'm getting confused now. Anyway, we're here to speak about the A24 yeah. cover. Uh, Brazilian women's icon Marta will be absolutely good with how she looks. The rest of them aren't too much better. I hope this is no like uh, sort of outlook of how the game's going to look because one of the stronger points of FIFA over the last however many years has been how the game looks. Um, I'm excited to see what it looks like just in terms of it not being like a FIFA franchise anymore, how much will change if, and if anything will change at all. But yeah, the cover was a bit of a talking point. The return of Merseyside red and Merseyside blue, maybe. Um, yeah, like you said, Rudy Valla was the one that jumped out at me because it's like, oh, it's nice to see Rudy Valla there. What have they done to Rudy Valla? And then look at a bit more and it just kind of um, Boca Juniors late stage Maradona sticks out and you're like, oh, that's that's not great. I, I presume it was Maradona. Who knows? Um, I love it. Go back to Rudy Valla, though. I love that man. I think he was the Germany manager when England put five past them. Mm. And, uh, every time I think of Rudy Vollo, despite you know the, the career he had and the, the strike partnership with Jürgen Klinsmann, I just always think of your best mate Frank Rijkaard gobbling in his hair, which is just <laughs> such a dirty bastard move. Yeah, um, it's proper viscous spit as well, isn't it? You can see it like dangling and hanging there, like it's a, it's a, it's a male ejaculate. <laughs> but it's, it's the fact that Voller reacts with the most German look you've ever seen. And if you're audio only, I'm sorry. But if you watch on YouTube, he just goes. And it's, it's audio it's description describes Fox in a hole looking up to see if the coast is clear. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but with but with Gob in a beautiful mood. <laughs> It was a beautiful mullet. Uh, Arsenal news right now. William Saliba signed a new four-year contract at the club, committing his future until 2027. He's 22 years old now, three years on loan in France, obviously, at Saint-Étienne OGC Nice, and Marseille has done him very well. His injury towards the end of the season is one of the reasons that Arsenal didn't bring the league home. That's a good signing for them. Yeah, as long as he can um, you know, stay fit and regain his form. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a... Other players tied down. And on top of that, Granit Xhaka has left Arsenal for around €25 million Euros and has denied his wife being unhappy in England was the main reason for him leaving. Xhaka told Keystone-SDA, what a lovely publication name. There was speculation everywhere that my wife was no longer happy in England. That is not true at all. The fact is that I'm a person that I'm always interested in new challenges. After seven years, the time has come for something completely new. 
which I think is a load of bollocks. I mean, working under Xabi mm. Alonso as a, as a central midfielder would be lovely. Yeah, what a lovely guy to learn from. But you're 30 yeah. years old. You've just finished second in the Premier League. You might have just signed Declan Rice. He'll take your place in the team, which might have something to do with it. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> it's 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 been a, a, a protracted one because like, as soon as the final whistle was blown at the end of the season, it was like, oh, well, that's Xhaka off then. Um, a weird career at Arsenal. He was, you know, one week the fans would love him. The next week they'd all hate him. One week he'd be... Uh, imperious in that midfield the next week he'd be terrible and getting red cards and looking for fights 25 million I'm shocked at that fee but then like you're saying 30 years old 30s the new what 27 now really isn't it so that's that's a, a good deal for Arsenal definitely it is a good deal elsewhere in big EPL transfer news I sound like a right dickhead today Cesar <laughs> Aspilicueta has completed his move away from Chelsea to Atletico Madrid on a free transfer the Spaniard had agreed personal terms with Inter Milan and was expected to seal a switch to Serie A before Atletico made a late bid despite having one year on his contract remaining Chelsea agreed to grant Aspilicueta a free transfer as a mark of respect to their captain whose 11 year spell at Stamford Bridge has now come to a close isn't that nice to hear yeah um considering that Chelsea are in the, the kind of everyone saying oh they're in a fire sale they need to balance the books and recoup money the fact that they've done that that's actually a surprisingly classy gesture they're letting a lot of players go at the minute though and they're bringing nobody oh. in yeah it's um it's a bit funny isn't it yeah well I mean it's it would be funny if Liverpool went in for uh, Levi Colwell, who they're now definitely just going to go, <laughs> nah, he's not going anywhere. But, um, yeah. Do you want as to ask Pelicueta, as you were saying. Yeah, he leaves Chelsea having won, and I need to take a big breath here. The Champions League, Europa League, Club World Cup, Super Cup, Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, 508 appearances for the club. Chip name was 17 goals and 56 assists. Uh, he's played more games for the Blues than any other uh, overseas player in their history. 14 ahead of Petr Cech. He now returns to the Liga for the first time since 2010 when he initially left Osasuna for Marseille, which I had no idea he started for Marseille, or started his career mm-hmm. at Marseille. He sits on 99 appearances in the Liga and will hit his century in the league when he makes his debut for Atletico. Isn't his career nice? Isn't he one of those arses? He's a beautiful Spaniard, right? A lovely tan. He's a world-class fullback, one of the best fullbacks we've ever had in the, in the Premier League. He's won everything he could have won and now he's going back and his debut for a better team than the one he had initially is going to be his 100th appearances in the in the in the in, the, in La Liga. I'm having a stroke yet. <laughs> just makes you <laughs> just makes you angry how perfect some people's lives are, don't you think? When reading it as well, that it's an 11 year spell, and to me, I'm just like, oh, it doesn't seem like he's been there that long. But yeah, more more appearances than Petr Cech also surprised me. But yeah, great player, absolutely fantastic player, and like you said, going to Atletico as well. He's He's, he's probably won some respect for, from you, hasn't he, for not going to the Saudi League? <laughs> I think he has from everybody. Work at, go, work at the Simeone rather than go to the Saudi League. Well, the ball's yeah. on him. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, like you said, uh, a bastard of a man to be that handsome and that talented. But just go back to the Chelsea squad. Their goalkeepers, right? Are Kepa, Marcus Bettinelli, who used to be at Fulham, and Gabriel Salida, who I've never heard of. Then I've got that Baddy Shelley, Thiago Silva, Trevor Chalaber, Chilwell, James Cucarella, uh, Fafara, Ampadu, Colwill, Gusto, Saar as their defenders. That's not looking like a top four backline, is it? Then I've got Fernandez, Gallagher, Chukwameka. Um, they've got someone called Tino Ajorin. 
Never heard of him. Uh, Lewis Hall, I guess, is another defender as well who's listed as a midfielder slash defender on the website for some reason. Uh, Andre Santos, another midfielder. That's not a very good midfield either. Because <laughs> they're in, <laughs> in Colin Gallagher's heavily linked with the move away from the club as well. That, that's a, a midfield that needs at least four signings, if not more. Yeah. Um, I don't know what... Do they... Do, Chelsea fans listening... What, what is that? What's on the grapevine for you? Does does Chelsea have a strategy yet under this new ownership group, or is it just making it up as it goes along? Because it's I don't know. It's, it's a, a strike yeah. force just to get a strike force out of the way. Aubameyang might as well not be there. Pulisic just to join AC Milan. Mudrick yeah. he looks a bit more muscular in the new kit, but he's done nothing so far. Sterling dropped off massively. Brozier had a massive injury. Ziyech he's gone to bloody Saudi Arabia, hasn't he? Uh, Majewicke mm-hmm. he could be quite good to be fair. He was quite good for uh, the other twenty ones. The Kaku's still on the books even though he's off as well. They've signed Nicholas Jackson from Villarreal. Hudson Odoi. I think he's back at the club now. He was out on loan last season, wasn't he? I, I don't know. I, I'm sure I heard rumours that he was maybe getting a move away. Let's have a look where he was last year. Was it Bayern Munich he was at? I'm just making that up. Bayer Leverkusen, I beg my pardon. 14 appearances, no goals. Oh, dear. No. <laughs> and obviously Christopher Nkunku, uh, he's another one who's there. And Diego mm. Moreira, who I've never heard of either. So, No. What are they doing at Chelsea? Anyway, that's their problem. <laughs> I hope, I hope they drop down because it, it's a season where yeah, obviously Newcastle capitalised on a fair few clubs dropping off a bit so if one of those mm. clubs doesn't come back up again that's good for Newcastle that's the way I'm looking at it uh, David De Gea has left Manchester United that's been confirmed this past week myself and Owen Mawson sat down and did a video about it uh, the, a couple of nights ago so go and check that out for a proper detailed discussion about what was going on in a nutshell I thought it was a disgrace the way they let him go he should have been given a proper send off um, well I've written down the things here 12 years of service 8 trophy wins Five Premier League teams of the year. Four. Someone just come in me flat. No, they haven't. The door made a weird Ooh. noise there. Like the door opened. Um, eight trophy wins. <laughs> five Premier League teams of the year. Four Man United <laughs> players of the year, which is tied with Ronaldo and two more than any other player in Man United history. And he was just sort of offered a contract. He signed it. The club then didn't sign it back and then just let go with no real send off. I thought it was a bit of a bit of a disgrace. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, touch upon this a little later in the podcast, but. Yeah, it's like you're saying. Is the form's been up and down over the last few seasons? Still got the Golden Glove last year in the Premier League. Mm. Um, but you, you can't be. It's it's not like he was some scrub who turned up for you know a, a season or two and did rubbish and they got him off the books. Like you said, a twelve year, twelve years in the sticks, pretty much um, won everything. It was a Fergie signing as well. Um, it's it's not a nice ending, not a nice ending at all. I saw that uh, quite a few of the, the um, his Man U teammates were not happy about it on uh, social media, basically saying you should have had a send off in front of the fans. This isn't this isn't great, and obviously for the Man United fans, the especially the kind of the green and gold lot, it's another. Uh, bit of ammunition against the the whole Cecil player, but it's just it's a mess. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying he was the last player of the the last league title squad they won, leaving the club. So that's the official sort of end of that era, if you want the last player going. Wow, okay, yeah. 
That was me crying if you're just listening on audio feed. <laughs> uh, but we'll speak about De Gea a bit more later in the podcast as Jack and teased there quite saucily. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been in the press this week. He's revealed when he decided to just basically leave Manchester City. And that was when Pep Guardiola sub- uh, snubbed him sorry, uh, for a Champions League game against Paris Saint-Germain that left him, in quotes, crazy and in tears. Um, he joined Arsenal obviously for 45 million quid this time last year and speaking on the Danielson show which is a thing which is real former Brazilian <laughs> midfielder Danielson has a podcast everybody this is what Gabriel Jesus had to say there was a Champions League game PSG at home in which he put Zinchenko as a false nine crazy thing the day before he didn't even use Zinchenko in training he put me in there as the striker Zinchenko even joked with me that day I felt bad for you <laughs> which sounds like especially coming from him <laughs> yeah with his little face <laughs> it's just it, it doesn't even sound like a like like a joke it just sounds kind of like a a piss take but considering uh yeah um what jesus the the, the mood he was in i'm surprised he didn't spark him off that one <laughs> uh, he continues does jesus two hours before the game there's a team talk the team eats it rests for 30 minutes and it goes to the game he told us the team i didn't even eat i went straight to the room crying i called my mother to talk i want to leave i'm going home because he put zinchenko on and he didn't put me on he put a left back there i went crazy i gave an assist and scored we turned it around 2-1 obviously he came off the bench in the game in the next Champions League game against RB Leipzig, I thought I was going to play, and I didn't play. There was a lot going on, a lot of that with Guardiola. It's not easy, it's really hard. That's when I decided to leave. I don't want to stay anymore. And obviously, Manchester City are cursing their luck that Pep Roulette exists because after he left, someone arrived. Someone good mm-hmm. arrived. Someone big, blonde, and handsome arrived. Yeah. Harland yeah. Harland, Harland arrived. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But in my head, I was liking, I was just picturing He-Man turning up, which was quite good. Um, it, it seems to be that way with Guardiola. We, we've often said about his weird tinkering, is, is it part of his, you know, football genius and all that kind of stuff. And it, uh, Jesus isn't the first person to kind of fall out with him either. Um, you were saying before about his, his time in Barcelona and obviously we were talking the other week about Zlatan famously. He was just like, this fella's a gimp. Not a fan <laughs> of this. Um, I feel really bad though, thinking of him crying and having to call his mum. But at the same time, like, I mean, come on, it's not that bad. It's it's, it's bad for your career, but it's not crying, call your mum kind of bad. But yeah, I do feel a little bit bad for him. Yeah, but he's, I guess he's he's got to Arsenal. He's become the main man. So fair play to him. Harry mm-hmm. Kane's been in the news this week, but as you can see from the big question, that's when we'll discuss all of that goings on. Obviously, Ange Postecoglou has been talking about him for the first time this week. We'll touch on all of that and try and work out what the bloody hell's going to happen with Harry Kane. But as to end the news section, uh, former Barcelona and Inter Milan legend Luis Suarez has died at the age of 88. He remains the only male Spanish player to have won the prestigious Ballon d'Or award for obviously the best player in the world. The forward was also formerly the most expensive player in the world when Inter paid the equivalent of €166,000 to sign him from Barcelona in 1961, making him the first Spaniard to play in Serie A. And it was also the move that allowed the Barcelona to complete the Camp News construction, which, as we speak right now, is being knocked down again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I was going to say, despite my advancing years, I uh, I can't remember watching the original Luis Suarez play. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you're saying there, just the stats alone, Ballon d'Or, most expensive player in the world at one point. And like you said, the, the weird cog that his sale alone just allowed one of the, the greatest stadiums in the sport to be 
constructed. Fantastic. So, thoughts and prayers were all concerned there. Do you see that the Camp Nou getting knocked down this week? It was heart heart wrenching. Just a big bulldozer no. just knocking down the stand. Just no no regard for its its feelings. Just just knocking it down. <laughs> is is that the is that the Spotify Camp Nou? Is it? It is the Spotify Camp Nou. <laughs> I don't mind that as a name. It quite works. Yeah, they were going to be or were they for a while named after a pharmaceutical company, wasn't it? The Calpol's Camp Nou. It was the Calpol Camp Nou, yeah. Yeah, The Calpol Camp Nou. I love a bit of Calpol. (laughs) Um, Don't drink Calpol on the regular like it's a beer, for goodness sake. Anyway, let's move from some sad news there with Luis Suarez to the highlight of the week. I'll go first this week because I've got the clip loaded up already. Joe Atkins, I want to set the scene for you this afternoon. So we're in the middle of Charlotte FC versus Cincinnati in the MLS regular season. The teams are playing out a Desmond 2-2. Former Burnley and Rangers man Scott Arfield and former Burnley and Aston Villa man Ashley Westwood are on the field for Charlotte. Charlotte are 1-0 up thanks to a goal from Carol Swiderski and he's only gone and got another. I want you to just listen to what happens to this commentator as Swiderski puts his second one in. Vargas in the area, still with it on the right side, stepping over, sending it back for Lindsay. Lindsay sends it back into the area for Swiderski. One touch, he scores! Another one for Swiderski! And that one was more impressive than the first! Mickey Mouse commandeers the commentary headset and somehow does some commentary on an MLS game. I fell out my chair laughing at this when it happened the other day. Mickey Mouse doing football commentary. I can't tell if this guy, I don't know who the commentator was. I can't tell if he was taking the piss or not. I mean, you got to love a bit of classic MLS um, commentary. My mind obviously always thinks back to where, uh, Risa, unleash the Kraken. It's just, it's so over the top. The thing I love about any American when it comes to media, it seems like, like as a society, Americans are just trained to be on it from the second they're born. And it's just like, oh, there's a camera here. <laughs> and... Uh, the fact that like you said he shows all Mickey Mouse is superb. I don't know if I prefer that kind of commentary or the yeah, like Latin American just shouting goal, 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 goal. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. So that's my highlight of the week. What's your highlight of the week? Well, of course, you know, it was uh it was Curtis Jones scoring with his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Run us through the goal, please, Jargons. Give us your Mickey I want you to give me the play by play in the stylus of, of, of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! So, I'm not going to do that. Um, free kick to England. I can't remember the lad who's taking it because it's me. We all know by now. Cole my Palmer, like, wasn't it? Of course it was. My and then he said, said Carlton Palmer there. <laughs> I always want to. So, <laughs> so he, he takes the free kick. I don't think it was going in anyway. It pings off Curtis Jones's spectacular scout's arse and the foresight of the lad. He must have planned this. He must have trained on this. Pings and just goes straight into the back of the onion bag. And of course, wins England the Euros. So, uh, but if it's just Liverpool fans, we were taking were taking the piss on social media just like because he's had he's been divisive amongst the fan base and so. Some of the people just like never doubted the lad. Look at him; he's like, he's like prime De Stefano right there. Um, and other people saying, you know, he meant that. And oh, we're all England fans now. But it was, like we were saying before, it was, it's been a good tournament for him. It's you know, 
of course I'm going to say it's been good for Liverpool, but just the fact that we're just kind of taking the piss out of it, saying, oh yeah, he meant that. He meant to let's score his little derriere. You speak of a little derriere there, I just realised my face on this camera looks as red as a baboon's arse. I'm about to try and change my light. It looks terrible. Co- I look like Alan Brazil. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I nearly, nearly snotted into my microphone. <laughs> Sorry to take away from your moment of the week, but bloody hell. <laughs> it's not kind, I mean, this little camera here. This little thing here, not kind. Luckily, you're not going on holiday tomorrow, Ross. To a place which was 34 degrees today, Celsius. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. What, uh, what factor have you got in for your sun cream? Try and have a guess. 30. Higher. 50. It's, it's right, it's right. I'm surprised, yes. That's Bruce Walsh there. Yeah, I'm a factor 50 boy, because I'd die otherwise. I peeled when I was a kid. It was horrible. I got blisters on my shoulders. I'm oh, a, wow. I'm almost, I'm almost a member of the Beatles, if you know, you know. <laughs> Go on, do your best impression of it. What, that, that line from Helter Skelter? Yeah, but about your shoulders instead. I've got blisters on me bloody shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Twat of the week is Ross Twaddle this week. Um, we'll let you go first <laughs> on the actual pick. I've got a pick which is coming up soon. This has been the loosest podcast so far, let me tell you, Jarkins. I tell you what, though, we've been on form. I think, you know, catastrophe is our, our bread and butter. Um <laughs> As, as hinted at before, my twat of the week is Man United board for how they've treated David De Gea. Um, there was there was a late a late surge from Joey Barton, who uh, retweeted a video of um, that Canadian arsehole, um <laughs> the right the right wing fella, you know the the, the Bruce, tattoos, anti trans, and all that Bruce stuff. Bruce Hart. Bruce Hart, yeah. Bruce Hart was talking with um, <laughs> talking with Me Andrew Tate. That statement. I don't think it wrong. wasn't. It wasn't Bruce Hart. <laughs> but you know, you know, it was. Um, Jordan Peterson, he retweeted oh, right. a video of Jordan Peterson talking to Andrew Tate. He was like, mm, something to think about. They're like, piss off. But yeah, Man United board, David Hay, we went over it before. That's not how you treat a legend of your club. Um, looking at the cold, I suppose if you're looking at it, playing devil's advocate, looking at the cold hard facts, they've slashed a magic, massive wage off the bill. But it's, it's, it's a man who won pretty much everything with him like we were saying before the last of that last Ferguson title winning team um, it's it's just not nice you, you like to see you like to see no matter who the team is like obviously I'm not a fan of Man United but you like to see clubs treating their legends with respect I remember I think I was talking to you or Aiden about Newcastle and while Mike Ashley was there that there wasn't much Any. going in the way of keeping no yeah nothing in terms of like going and, back to the ledge it's like Mike Ashley took away Shearer's bar from the stadium Mike Ashley yeah. they, they tried to put a statue of Alan Shearer and Mike Ashley wouldn't allow it in the grounds of the stadium so it had to be on the road outside the stadium when the new owners took over they moved it to, into the stadium's grounds that's how petty Mike Ashley was he was horrible yeah because obviously the new the new owners came in and just went hang on that's Alan Shearer that's <laughs> that in there. but you yourself will know just honouring those players uh it means a lot it means a lot to the culture of a club it means a lot to the fan base even you know even if it is only tokenistic gestures but to, yeah this isn't this isn't nice i'm rambling now after you ross who's your twat of the week 
hep the better, as they like to say down in Middlesbrough, which is up the Middlesbrough in uh, in, the, in the King's English, we should say. Um, so I need to go for a person, or the person, who uploaded a job vacancy on the Middlesbrough website this week for a first-team physiotherapist slash therapist in brackets full-time that's what the full job advert title reads but the way the words appear on screen i can't have it on youtube because it'll get the video demonetized it actually reads something very different as the layout means the word therapist can't be all on the same line the t-h-e of therapist is on one line then the r-a-p-i-s-t is on the second line so it reads the first team physiotherapist slash the you know what on the word below on the line below mm. sorry i've butchered my own mm. thing there so whoever is responsible at middles better football club for uploading those adverts you are my twat of the week it is a it's, it's a heck of a gaff isn't it because <laughs> you sent me this after this happened and for those who don't know ross and i have a, a friendship which is built up on uh the bearer uh <laughs> stemming back to i think it was last christmas when you got absolutely mortal at the christmas party it was the summer and party actually it was at the summer party was yeah. it wow even even longer and um yeah when i went onto slack on monday because i don't have it on my phone i just had a load of uh audio clips from ross in my inbox of him pissed as a fart going hep the better i'm trying the better <laughs> i'm trying to find it and play on the podcast i don't know if i swore or not but i don't think i did where are we back to i don't, I don't think know. you did no it's a way you what, just uh, look at files there you go where are we Oh, God. Oh, we must have sent each other some absolute rubbish during our time. Yeah. So I remember the time you sent me something I had to ask you to delete um, because it was just awful. I'm not going to say on the podcast what that was. I'm scrolling back no. here because obviously a lot of the stuff that we do send each other has to do with this absolute nonsense of a podcast, which is taking up yeah. a lot of uh, scroll back time. I might play that another week. If people want to hear it next week, let me know. I'll do it as a little <laughs> treat for you, even though it's not much of a treat at all. I'm sure I play it on the wrestling <laughs> podcast as well. Let's see if I can get there in the in the period of time while we're, we're just we're just rambling bollocks. Is this bringing the yeah. podcast to a halt? It might be bringing the podcast to a halt. I'm only back to December. I'll look at it next week. The mailbag, <laughs> the Roberto no. mailbagio. Oh no no! I tell you what, you give me the lowdown on what happened to that Wunder kid, and I'll scroll back and find the little clips because I don't want to disappoint everybody. So <laughs> I was having a little think this week, and I thought. Previous Wunderkins we've looked at were some who were at the highest highs and then dropped off. But instead, we've got, we've taken a slight turn. Someone who was promising but not at that eating at that top table. We're talking, of course, of Joe. J-O. We remember Joe. J-O. J-O. J-O himself. Joe from the block. And we remember Joe, the young Brazilian, banging them in for CSKA, making the move to the newly rich as hell at Man City, uh, which I completely forgot he broke their club transfer record fee. But how what much? happened to that Wunderkind? How much? I'll tell you. I'll tell you in a second. Oh. So, Joe, the Brazilian Joe, J.O., starts his career with Corinthians, plays for the youth setup from 94 until 2003, broke into the senior squad, uh, and made 106 appearances and scored 17. And you think that's not the best for a striker, but he was a teenager and became youngest scorer in club history at 16. From the back of this, he moves to CSKA in 2005, age 17, 18. Scored 14 in his first 18, including a brace against Inter in the Champions League. Wow. Stayed until, he was tw- stayed until he was 21, left in July 2008, 77 appearances, 44 goals, one Russian league, two Russian Cups, two Russian Super Cups. So most of us will remember the Joe story from this 
part. So he signed for Man City in July 2008. And this is while they were still owned by, was it Thaction Shinoatra? Mere weeks after he signs, the Saudis bought into the club and started, obviously, this this dynasty. Um, and at the time, he's rumoured to have cost £19 million, which was a club record fee, 2008, which... Looking at you know the embarrassment of riches for City, it's mad to think that 19 million at one point would break their transfer record, but records are there to be broken. And as we all know, he he didn't he didn't adapt, he didn't settle. He scored three and eighteen across all comps and was loaned to Everton in January 2009. So midway through the season, sent out to Everton. Gets a bit better. I Everton, 12 appearances, five goals, all in the league because he was cup tied, which isn't a bad return. Not quite for what would be a 90 million striker, but when you're thinking of young lad in a new league, five and 12's fine. Yeah, I just think fine. the price tag and, and the size of the move hairs him. And the fact he's Brazilian. Well, yeah, exactly. I remember that was a, a kind of rod to beat. And we were saying, oh, he doesn't play like a Brazilian, does he? What kind of Brazilian is called Joe? And it was, it was a bit mean at the time. It was a bit mean so at the after- time. After this half a season at Everton, he rejoined Everton on a season-long loan with an option to buy. So this is the 09-2010 season. 24 appearances and two goals. Fell out with David Moyes after making an unauthorised trip to Brazil over Christmas. Loan was cancelled. He was sent to Galatasaray where he scored 3-15. and So it's he's gone right off the boil since the CSKA move. Obviously, when you think about the age of him, he must be what? 20-ish. What he needs is consistent game time. Ross's face there suggests he's just seen something awful. I know. Um, did you not hear that? I started playing an audio file from maybe the summer party last year, which it could have been it could have been the thing, but it started playing. Oh, no, it, 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 didn't, it didn't come through for me then. Oh, should I play it and see what it says? Go on. All I'm hearing here is. So that's number one. Do you want to play number two, three, and four? They're all pretty much the same. Go for it. It's coming through very quiet from Adam. I come from middles better. I come from middles better is what that one said. The next one. Another standard hop the better. And then we round things off with the four. Hang on, hang on, hang on. better. All I'm hearing here is... A more prolonged hop the better. This was all sent on the 25th of June 2022 at about 3am I mean sorry back to, back to Joe and back to the people the stuff that people <laughs> want to listen to not that I was going to say I, I I left the summer party early because I'm an old man and I don't drink and you were, everyone was absolutely levered so I thought I'll hop in a taxi with uh, Tom and Aiden because they're going for a train so I'm just going to jump in this so I left you at 10am and you were at 10am 10pm and you were <laughs> battered so 3am I, I shudder to think yeah, we were taking but, over a, basically a kid's, like, you know, in a holiday caravan park. The kids have their, their club in the evenings where they sing the songs and play the games. We overtook that place, still full of kids, and then there was James Jenkins singing Limp Biscuit songs with all the swear words in. I sang me, me classic, me, 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 uh, me, me, me party pieces at a karaoke do with the old uh, Elton John and George Michael. Uh, it's a big hit, big, big hit, yeah. big hit. Yeah. People... Yeah, I think you. I think you'd mentioned it to me earlier in the night, saying, "Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Ross, I'm going to be gone, and I'm stone cold sober." And you're like, "I'll do it myself." <laughs> I even did the bit, like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elden John." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Joe. What we need more things about Joe. 
So just just like Elton John, he returned back to Man City for the 2010-2011 <laughs> season. So he's now 23 years old. He's not settled. He's not been given consistent game time, which at that age is make or break. Yeah. So 2010-11 season, 24 appearances, three goals, but was part of the FA Cup winning squad, but was you know obviously not included in the squad for the final. So he's, his time in Man City did bring him an FA Cup at least. So after this, he goes back to Brazil for Internacional, 36 appearances, six goals, and it's just not looking good. But 2012, signed for Atletico Mineiro, forms a strike partnership with Ronaldinho. (laughs) 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 So 37, 37 goals and 119 appearances, which doesn't sound too bad. But then at the end of the 2014 season, he was released for disciplinary reasons. So it just sounds like he's a bit of a raj. Um, also, Ronaldinho still... being there can't have helped that, surely. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> Ronaldinho was like, oh, do you want a chicken parmo? And, you know, someone's bum. And it's like, oh, yeah, go for it, yeah. <laughs> We're shambles today. I know. Um, Where did that come from? A chicken parmo and someone's bum. Because I was just thinking, you know, what kind of night out would you have with Ronaldo, where, uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, where we can't say stuff that's, you know, probably illegal? <laughs> and I was just like, ah, chicken barmo and someone's ball. <laughs> so after this, he rejoined uh, Atletico for a further nine appearances and two goals. During this time, he won the Copa Libertadores, uh, the Copa de Brazil, and was recalled to the Brazil squad for the first time in, since 2008 and scored five and 11 in 2013. So it was looking like, oh, he could be a decent striker. So then, obviously, from this, where he's doing well, he went to Al-Shabaab for a season in Dubai, where he scored 16 in 19. Oh. And this is a club that no longer exists. Oh. <laughs> some, so people, from here, some people can't catch a break, can they? From here, he went to Jiangsu Shuning in China for a season in 2016. 11 and 26. That's this right. club also no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> Might it have something to do with the contract they probably gave to players like J.O.? Oh, probably, yeah. I mean, for, for all we're saying, oh, he didn't live up to his expectations, this lad clearly made a mint. Hmm. So, fair play to him. After this, though, he went back to Corinthians for the 2017 season. He's now age 29. But in this season, he scored 25 and 61. Won the league, was in the team of the year, voted best player of the season, and was the league's top scorer. So... This seems like 29-year-old Joe at Corinthians was the striker that Man City thought they were buying in 2008. <laughs> it didn't take long to get there. No, it didn't. No, not at all. Just, uh, just nine years. So obviously, building upon this, you think, right, go on, cement your legacy. Over to Japan for Nagoya Grampus. But... Like like Gary Lineker, he's prolific. 33 and 74. Not oh. bad. Top scorer in the league in 2018. And then he went back to Corinthians, played the 2020 and 2021 seasons, 16 and 72 across all of these. And then it was just a sad end for what was on paper a sad career. January 25th, 2023. I don't mean to laugh. January. <laughs> you are January, laughing though. <laughs> I'm still thinking of, you know, chicken parma and a bum with Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho would be lovely. Um, January 25th, 2023, he signed to Saudi club Al-Jabalain. January 30th, he's released by Saudi club Al-Jabalain. He was there for five days before being released. And then February, he announced his retirement. And 
But looking at the the stats here, his league career, 691 appearances in all competitions, 223 goals, and then 5 and 20 for international uh, for Brazil, including a 2014 World Cup appearance. Only missed 15 games due to injury throughout his career. So I think the move to Man City, considering the time of it, the fact that it was so high profile, the fact that City were in the spotlight because they were now the richest team going, it really harmed his career. If he'd never had that move and still had that career, you'd be like, oh, he'd probably probably be a cult hero somewhere. He'd probably be that kind of player where you're just like, oh, look at that. He's, you know, sounds like he's a bit of a bit of an arsehole falling out with managers. You know, had an all right, all right go of it, won, won some competitions, an all right return for whatever, but just being in that spotlight just harmed him. Yeah. So that is what happened to Joe. So one in th- one in three, just about at club level, and one in four at international level. It's not bad at all, is it? It's not bad at all, no. But yeah. like I said, just history will not remember him kindly. It'll just be one of those. It'll be a footnote in the Man City story. Yeah. Up the Joe. That's what we've learned on the podcast today. <laughs> Up the Joe, indeed. Right now, we move on to the mailbag. Ross at holdinggive.com. If you want to have your question read out on next week's podcast, we kick things off with Hello, lads. I won't hold on to this question and give it to you now. I like how he's used the title of the podcast and the question. Uh, do you remember the first lineup from the first match or first few matches you watched of your teams? I'm a Chelsea fan and I first started watching slash supporting with players like Mario Melchiot, Carlo Cudicini, and Jasper Gronkiar who scored that lovely goal against Liverpool, didn't he, Jack Atkins? One that got them in the yeah, Champions League. Is that the one that maybe yeah. cost you getting Abramovich's owner or something? Um, probably, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on swiftly, yeah. Uh, really enjoy the podcast and look forward to your views during the coming season, which is from Brad from Swindon. He says, P.S. The first game, uh, the first main Chelsea game I remember is the last day of the 2 3 season and we beat Liverpool 2-1 to get into the Champions League <laughs> where a certain Jasper Gronkjaer, Gronkjaer sorry, scored with that little swazzer in the bottom corner. I mean, yeah, to, to be fair, it's... Yeah, con- considering the history between Liverpool and Chelsea in the Champions League, I'll let them have that one. Um, we all know here that my memory is about as reliable as... what's the Think of the least reliable thing you could think of, and that's what my memory can be compared to. I oh, don't know. It, in the team at the time was probably... What game was it? Your first game that you went to? First game I went to wasn't even a Liverpool game, but it was at Anfield. So my my brother's an Everton fan. My dad's a Liverpool fan. And my brother tried to get in there first. And he was like, right, we're going to take you to the football. I'm going to take you to a pre-season friendly. Everton versus Borussia Mönchengladbach <laughs> at Anfield. Why was it at Anfield? There was this weird mini tournament. So it was Everton versus Gladbach. And then later on, it was Porto versus Liverpool in this like mini, you know, Mickey Mouse cup that they made up. Obviously thinking, ah, we'll set it up. So then the next day, the final will be Everton versus Liverpool. Porto and Gladbach won. So the next day, the final was Porto versus Gladbach. Um, I can't remember the first Liverpool game I went to. You I can't remember your first game. That's astonishing, that. No, uh, no. I can remember like the first game I ever went to because it's been some memory, but like, no, it's a, a lifetime of... Uh, I can't even say bad choices because I've lived a relatively <laughs> clean life. I've just I've banged my head quite a lot um, to the point where I'm starting to get concerned. And I've mentioned it to the missus and she just rolls her eyes and calls me an arsehole. Um, 
But in, in, in the first Liverpool team when I started becoming a fan, we're probably we'd be talking. Probably David James in goal. Who would we have had? What sort of years we're talking about? 96, something? 97, 98? Around, about 96, probably. Yeah, about 96. Yes. Red, Red yeah. Nap, Barnes, Collymore. Yeah, yeah. Ian Rush may have still been hanging on. Collymore. Fowler. Uh, Mc, McManaman, Fowler. Redknapp, uh, Rob Jones, maybe. Um, Razor Ruddish, possibly. <laughs> uh, Steve Staunton back at that point. I can't remember. But yeah, Liverpool's around 96. And this has actually made me quite sad now, reflecting on the fact that I can't remember. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Right, my first game... Uh- I remember going to it with my mum was Newcastle versus Coventry City at St James's Park Premier League game mm. April 2000 uh, is when it took place I couldn't remember the team for the life of me I thought Stephen Glass scored on the day but he didn't it was Diego Gavilan the team I've got it in front of me here was Shea Given 24 years old then we have Alessandro Pistone at left back he actually played a game <laughs> of football without getting injured he was 24 Warren Barton centre partner at right back 31 years old Nikos Davizas 26 Aaron Hughes 20. What an underrated footballer he was. Uh, the midfield was Rob Lee and Gary Speed in the middle. Formidable, I think the French would say. Kieran Dyer, mm. 21 years old, prestigious talent on the right. Um, Didier Domi, who I thought was a defender, but he was playing left midfield that day. Then we had Diego Gavilan playing just off a 29-year-old Alan Shearer. Those were the Did days... Can you remember it well, or is it just kind of like fleeting memories? I remember where I was sat. I was in the east stand on the front row, so I couldn't really see anything like far like that way because I was sort of at one end of the pitch as well and it's St James's yeah. Park I don't know if you know this the pitch is a hill if you're kicking t- oh, right. towards the Gallagate you're actually going downhill I think there's a metre difference in one led, like one side of the pitch compared to the other side of the pitch from one end to the other it goes down like that a metre um, so I was at the, 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 the lower end towards the Gallagate looking up the hill and I couldn't I remember just not being able to see the, the other half <laughs> Do you, do you think the owners are going to fix that or is that just part of St. James's that you oh, know and that's, love? That's part of St. James's. You, you kick down the hill in the second half. That's why we're so prolific at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the, 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 the bollocks I got told on the on the club tour a few weeks ago was. I was like, I was here when Liverpool knocked six past us, scoring most, <laughs> of, the, most of their goals at the knock Gallagate end. <laughs> I remember games like that. Um, sorry, that was the, uh, the the Milburn stand, not the not the knock Gallagate end. Sacrilege on my part. War uh, Jackie is uh, shaking his head somewhere now. He is. So John Hall stands another stand at St James's Park, and the East stand is the fourth one. I'm a Newcastle fan, honestly. Right. Second question: the mailbag. Hello, Ross and Jack, lifelong Chelsea fan here. Another one, and a huge fan of the podcast. My question for you two fine gents is: Do you believe in any football-related superstitions? For me personally, it is the uh, it is the Chelsea striker curse. For the amount of millions, potentially billions, we were set and, uh, spent on strikers to only really have four successful strikers in the modern era of Hasselbank, Drogba, Anelka and Costa. I do honestly believe there is something going on with our strikers. I'd love to hear any of your suggestions. Regards, Adam from Northern Ireland. I do apologise for saying it like that, but I did go to school with someone from Northern Ireland who told me how you tell apart someone from the Republic and someone from Northern is when they say Northern, it's Northern Ireland, just like that. Northern Ireland. Yeah, I went, uh, I've got quite a few friends from Northern Ireland as well, but I'm not going to do it because I'll just make a disgrace of myself. Um, <laughs> You go first, Ross. I don't have any in terms of players like that, but I do believe in superstitions in terms of getting dressed for football. Yeah. Like, 
as a player back in the day, it was always right shin pad, left shin pad, right sock, left sock, right boot, left boot. And it never failed. Never failed. It sometimes failed, but never failed in my head. As a supporter now, going to the, the League Cup games, especially this se- or last season for Newcastle, we, in the first round, I can't remember who was against. I was against Palace, I think, or Bournemouth. I can't remember that far back now. Whoever the first round was against, it's in James's part. We went for a pizza punks and then won the time. We're like, oh, we'll do this every time. And we got all the way to the final. So I believe in superstitions like that as a recreational player in your youth and as a fan in your adulthood. I don't know about play, like, superstitions in terms of, you know, voodoos on clubs and stuff like that. Although, no, to, be, to, um... be fair, to be fair, once, just when I was a youngster, Newcastle went like, was it 34 games or something like that without winning a game in London? Then they went to Highbury in the 0102 season and finally won a game, so that was maybe a superstition. I don't know. Newcastle couldn't win in London because the pints were too expensive. <laughs> I actually, I, I actually went to Pizza Punks for the first time last week because we've got one in Liverpool now. Delightful. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, lovely sourdough crust. What did I have? I can't remember. Uh, they did. Were they doing a what? They get a Cubano, like a Cuban a Cuban sandwich as Wait, a pizza. You don't just like build your own and put like a million toppings on. No, that was actually on the menu. It was oh, like, you've been missing out there, Bonnie Lard. You can put on all the top and there's 12 quid. See you later. Oh, well, I'll know that for next time. In terms of in terms of curses, no. Um, can't think of any off the top of my head. When I used to play five-a-side, which I was never very good at, I'd just throw me kit on and hope that I'd be able to walk when I got home. Um, the only... It's, it's more I was kind of like frightened of players like now obviously I'm frightened every time Liverpool play Real Madrid because they just batter us for a while I was terrified of Dwight Gale because every time Dwight Gale played against <laughs> Liverpool he just turned into the greatest football player I've ever seen um, no, no not, nothing like that and I'm going to look into this more because I like curses and I like curses. I like curses in sports. Like obviously the uh, was it the Billy Goats curse for the Chicago Bull, uh, Chicago Bulls, Chicago Cubs for many years, which meant that they they didn't win the World Series. I think for eighty years or something daft like that. And that because the what? <laughs> I think it. I, I think right. Here's where I butcher this because I butcher everything. I'm sure they had a like it's say nineteen dickety six whenever they had this. Supporter used to go to uh, Wrigley, Wrigley Field with a goat, <laughs> and then one day they said, "You can't be bringing a goat in here. Clear off." And they were like, "All right, then, fine." And after that, they just couldn't win anything, and just like <laughs> every, every time it looked nailed on, something bizarre would happen. And I think it was 2016 they finally won the World Series. Um, but that's not football. That's baseball. That's a different sport and a different continent. Hope so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Adam, for um, yeah. I'm sorry. I've just found it. Sorry, I was just. We'll do. A, we'll have to do a video on this and more of a deep dive in like the best curses in football. We'll have to because that's an interesting topic, I think, as well. But yeah. I've just found an article here from kahelnow.com. It's kahelnow.com, um, and they, one of the titles for one of the entries is "Curse of the Dead Cats at Racing Club." Uh, Racing Club, I'm just, I've not read this through, so it could be bollocks, I don't know. Racing Club was one of the most decorated clubs in Argentina, but the club went through a dry period when people attribute to a bizarre curse. The 1967 Copa Libertadores, how we pronounce it, and the Intercontinental Cup winners uh, had their ground broken into by fans of a rival club called Independiente. They buried seven dead... <laughs> They buried seven dead black cats on the premises and and a long period of misfortune followed the outfit. They went without a trophy 
win in the 1970s and also faced relegation in 1983. Uh, Over the the years, six cats were found, but not the seventh. A a priest performed an exorcism and the seventh cat was found in 2001, after which the club won the Apertura, their first title since 1966. That's amazing. I love it when a priest has to get involved. That's when you know you're on to win. Poor cats, though, eh? Probably being sacrificed just so another football club can win a trophy. God. Poor little sods. Aye. Hey. Mm. Rest in peace, cats. It's, it's, tell you what, it's a funny old game, isn't it, Ross? <laughs> Hello, guys. Uh, have you... <laughs> Have you had the pleasure of meeting any footballers in person? I once met Big Freddie Shepherd and Graham Souness together at Ewood Park. From Nathan, a Newcastle fan from the Forest of Dean, Gloucestershire. Thank you very much for getting in contact. Mm. I've had to write mine down because I was trying to draw my memory last night, uh, trying to think of them. I'll go first, Jack, so you can think and not remember anyone you've met in the past. Uh, I met Stephen Carr at Kingston Park Marks and Spencers. I was at PC World next door, buying it while well, my man was buying us a computer for Christmas. And then next door was uh, Stephen Carr and MS. And I said, Hello, Stephen Carr. And he's like, How are you doing there? And then we, we shook hands, and that was it. <laughs> this was 2006 I think and I didn't really have like a, a suitable camera phone for the occasion mm. <laughs> and the next I've got more oh there's more I've got Peter Beardsley I was at Morbeth Leisure Centre one day uh, I think it would have been swimming because I was a professional swimmer back in my heyday absolutely professional went upstairs for a drinky poo afterwards uh, a, a glass of coke as a nine year old probably would do and then Peter Beardsley was just sat there in the in the Leisure Centre bar said hello to Peter Beardsley had a picture taken with him it was very strange indeed nobody knew he was a racist then though <laughs> have you still got the picture I will do somewhere it'll be up it'll be in my mum's house somewhere it'll be oh unless you bend it he's not a very handsome man is he she always ah, one thing I do remember from that game back in the day was all because it was me <laughs> me mum my mum's friend and her son who they try to make us friends but I thought he was a dickhead and I still do Um <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the only thing my overriding memory apart from not being able to see the girl to be right was the fact that my mum and my mum's friend just kept going ooh look at them thighs and I imagine Peter Beasley didn't like tick the thigh box you know what I'm trying to say here <laughs> like you think it's Shearer's big thick thunder thighs Peter Beasley was quite a scrawny little man wasn't he he went, he went saying ooh look at that bowl cut and those t- <laughs> tucked in shirts on Beasley look at that sweet underbite on Peter Beasley oh that gets you going doesn't it <laughs> Obviously look at that old man with the weight of the world on his shoulders like Charlie Brown <laughs> obviously we're sitting here two models on the football podcast having to go with Peter Beardsley anyway the next person I met was Hatton Ben Arthur on a night out in Jesmond uh, on the very si- I was in a I forget what bar it was it was a night when Arsenal played no sorry Spurs played Real Madrid away in the Champions League, the Harry Redknapp season, that one, when Gareth Bale was doing bits. They played away mm. in the Bernabeu, and I was in a bar in Jesmond watching it where they had the roulette wheel, and you had like you pressed it, and then you got either a free pint, a half price, or something like that, or nothing at all. And then going to the bin, and Harry, uh, Hatton Ben Arthur was in there with his, his headphones on in a place that was like a club playing music. There was loud music right. going on, but Hatton Ben Arthur yeah. was uh, in there with his headphones on. I do have a picture of that. I'll stick it on Instagram, at Ross on oh. Wrestling for the football <laughs> podcast fans. Let me know if you see it. And the final one is England captain Alan Shearer opened a football court in my little village. It was 2000 or 1999, somewhere around there. Obviously, Shearer's England captain. And for some reason, because it was, oh, what was the governing body called? Do you remember it was like a white background and it was like blue and red with the little like... 
was something. Ah, oh, was one of those things anyway. And it, it brought Alan Shearer, the England captain, to Pegswood, where I lived at the time. <laughs> um, and he opened he opened the football court, and once again, there's a picture where there's just like every little kid in the village. Basically, I'm at the front there. Alan Shearer's at the back. I'll put that one on the gram as well. I guess, fantastic. I guess I guess that counts. I don't know if it does, but that's all mine. Just to, just to fill some time while you think of stuff. Well, so for me, mine are all boring because Liverpool City Centre is very small, and I worked at HMV in Liverpool for many years. So I once sold Nori Shaheen a, a headset for his Xbox. Uh, <laughs> I sold I sold a PS3 to Fabio Barini. Um, I bet he was which, crap on uh, it, was he not? He's crap on it. He's crap at football, which means he's crap at PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, but he was—he seemed like a nice man. When I first got to know Jack King, I told him that, and I think he became my friend that day because he lost Fabio Barini. They've got a weird upset, obviously, just because he scored against the Mags, and he did that. Yeah. Uh, they've got a massive obsession for a bang average footballer. <laughs> Trying to think who else. Um, Jose Enrique came in once with all his like tanned Spanish mates wearing really tight t-shirts. Uh, I shook his hand and went, "All the best for the season." Uh, <laughs> Thomas and friends pulled into the station. That's what that sounded like there. It pretty much was. I did my best Ringo Starr, wasn't it? Um, I was once waiting for a bus, and Mikel Arteta walked past, and me and everyone in the queue went, "All right," and he went, "All right." Uh, <laughs> did his hair move? <laughs> It didn't know. It was like it was beautiful. He could have bounced the penny off it. I've never seen uh, his hair look anything other than how it always looks. It's even when it was raining, it would always look the same. It, it's whoever does the um, oh, David Squires, I think it is, does the comics for the Guardian yeah. and the Fantastic. But whenever he draws Mikel Arteta, he just draws him as a Lego man. <laughs> it is comparable. Stick it on in the it, morning. Who else? I was once coming out of a shop and in the doorway of the shop, Sammy Lee was talking to the owner. So taking the piss, I just went, Sammy Lud! And he just went, Lud! And that was it. <laughs> Somewhere Big Sam was lurking around just to get, you know, just in case little Sam got in a bit of bother. Big Sam was there yeah. on the corner to sort him out. He's just come to punch me in the back of the head on Bowl Street. <laughs> um, they're all the ones I've met. There's, I've had other interactions with footballers, mainly through HMV. Like once I was waiting to take like a big pallet of DVDs downstairs, looked over, saw a fellow with good tattoos, like, oh, nice tattoos. Looked up and it was Daniel Agger, but he's with his little boy and I thought, I'm not going to go bother him. Um, once I was putting stuff out and there's some fella being a loud tit on his phone and went, who's that knobhead? Turned around, it was John Barnes. And I was like, oh, all right. Um, <laughs> and- what was he being a loud knobhead about? He was just on his phone, but he was just one of those people who just shouts on his phone, not like shouting at someone. He was just projecting on his phone. Could you imagine, right, being on the phone with John Barnes and not being able to see his mouth as it moves? I know I talk quick, but John Barnes is a different level altogether. Oh, it's ridiculous, oh. yeah. So so he was talking 100 miles an hour at, at like, the, I, I don't know, the sound of a plane taking off behind my back. <laughs> I just thought he was a knobhead until I realised it was John Barnes and instantly rescinded it. Um... <laughs> I was once walking through town and saw a really nice Range Rover and I was looking at it like, oh, nice car, that. Looked up and saw the driver and it was Steven Gerrard staring at me, basically saying, stop looking at me car. So I walked <laughs> off. What I was just you- kind of went, I just went, all right. And I just <laughs> got off instantly. I was going to say, what was your look at the time? Were you sporting, like, was it no beard, long hair? What you look? Was he thinking he was going to get hurt in some form of fashion, Steven Gerrard? 
No, he didn't. It was it was longer beard and the the, the classic CM Punk sweep. Not because of CM Punk, just because I had the sweep. But I probably looked a bit like you know, um, someone who plays with chemicals. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a bit of a vagrant, um, like like a fancy vagrant. Um, and once I went to see Foles, and my mate reminded me of this today that uh, Joey Barton turned up with all his mates, and we were just like, "Stay away from them because they're going to kick off." And Joey Barton was kind of staying quiet, but his mates were assholes. And one of his mates pissed into a plastic pint glass and went to throw it, and ended up soaking himself. <laughs> so that was deservedly so. Yeah, but that's that's all my interactions. And I'm going to throw this one. This isn't one of mine, but um, my mate. I'm not going to give his name, but if he's listening to this, he's gonna he's gonna die another another death. He got rinsed once again. Worked with him in HMV, and this is when Jordan Henderson was young, wasn't the captain yet. Jordan Henderson came in with some of his mates, and my mate just went, "Great assist at the weekend," and all Henderson's mates went, "Oh yeah, great assist, Jordan." <laughs> What did Jordan do, though? That's the question. He just kind of went, yeah, yeah, nice one, thanks, yeah. <laughs> Looking absolutely mortified. you got to say a certain thing when you meet a footballer and just talk about the game in any form or fashion. It's got to be the last thing on your mind, surely. Oh, one last one, actually, sorry. I was once out on me, like, HMV in Liverpool 1, when it used to be in Liverpool 1, it's not anymore, was just a kind of magnet for footballers. But I was once outside and saw Sebastian Quartes looking like the most upset man I've ever seen in my life, getting scolded by some just someone. I don't know if it was his PA or if it was his girlfriend or someone, but they just looked like they were telling him some stuff quite sternly and he looked really upset. And I was like, oh, look at him, the big lummox. <laughs> Hey, what a career he's got to have, by the way. I, I, oh, I, God, I, yeah. Every time you see his name on that Sporting Lisbon team sheet, I'm like, what the hell's he doing there, even today? Yeah. But when we signed him as well, it was like, oh, he's going to be the second Uruguayan heartbreaker at this team. Scored, was it against QPR? Scored an amazing scissor kick and yeah. we lost the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just add on to my Hatton Ben Arthur story. Then went from the bar in Jesmond to Tiger Tiger in the centre of Newcastle. And who was there but Andy Carroll? with a full tray of Jaeger bombs to himself. <laughs> Legend. It was, yeah. He was in the, like, if you go in Tiger Tiger, I think it was called the White Room because it was it was white on the walls. Um, there was like a private area and he had that private area to himself and he was just there with a full tray of Jaeger bombs going down the hatch at Mary Poppins. <laughs> a wonderful yeah, very it nice. is, yeah. But I right, meeting footballers is fun, isn't it? Let us know in the comments down below on Twitter, wherever you bloody want to, uh, where you've met a footballer in the past. We end, obviously, with the SEO-driven big question of the week, which is where the bloody hell is Harry Kane going to end up? The news this week surrounding Harry Kane has seen Bayern Munich make a second bid worth €80 million Euros for Harry Kane and has thought that Tottenham remain adamant that they have no intention of engaging in talks. Kane has one year left on his current Spurs deal. The first Bayern bid was around the £70 million mark, so maybe they might go £10 million more and get him. Who knows what could happen? Kane, of course, got 30 goals last season, even though Spurs only finished 8th in the league. He also finds himself just 47 goals behind Alan Shearer's all-time Premier League record. Uh, Spurs have signed James Madison, Dejan Kulzewski on a permanent deal and a goalkeeper called Vicario so far this summer as they try to sort of entice him like the dove from above, the Harry from <laughs> up high. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> just... <laughs> 
please stay, Harry. We've got James Madison. Cool. Um, will it work? We don't know. It appears that Spurs are pitting on all hopes of having a successful season under Ange Postacoglu and then maybe getting a new deal sorted in that time where he's got to be offered, Jack Atkins. I saw in your notes that you sent me earlier, somewhere in the region of three hundred and fifty to £400,000 a week. Yeah, which obviously that seems insane money to anyone rational, but when you're thinking of... There's, there's players who aren't as prolific as Harry Kane in the league that are getting paid that or not, if not more that based on that as a kind of metric he's he's worth that much to a team mm. um, what do you what do you think right you go first what do you think if you were Harry Kane what's your move go leave yeah go to Manchester United knock on their door say take me now go to Real Madrid oh you got to get Benzema uh, sorry you got to get um Mbappe next year. Oh, I can do a job for you this season. You don't have to wait for the the world the world class strike. You, you can sell me in a year's time. I'll do a job for you. I'll be your Mike alone of the modern day. Why not? I'd be leaving Spurs to win something and win something big. And also, well, yeah, because if he goes to somewhere like Manchester United, you would think they're probably a few streets ahead of Spurs at, at the current moment. Like obviously they've had a, quite a good season last season, didn't they? Man United finishing third. Yeah. You think they're going to push on a bit more with people like Mason Mount coming through the door? Um. I'd be going there because it would also help further the course to be Chira's record if he's if he's bothered. I think he is bothered about that. I think he has actually said in the press that he wants to beat that. So I'd be getting out of Spurs because it's been it's been and gone twice or thrice now that the sort of him getting the move away to actually win something. He's got to do it otherwise he's going to be. It's because obviously the comparisons there with Shearer just in terms of like Shearer came to Newcastle didn't win anything. Kane's at Spurs isn't going to win anything. But Shearer won that Premier League earlier at Blackburn. Kane hasn't got that. He needs to go and win it, I reckon. Get out the door. Yeah. I've, I, I'm surprised you you have not advocating for Man U, because I remember when it, this conversation first came up earlier in the year and you and Aidan Gibbons were saying, don't want him breaking Shearer's record. Get, well, get him out of the country. If I was given the choice, I'd obviously say, God, yeah, La, La Liga is lovely. The, 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 the Benidorm Riviera is delightful this time of year. Just go and have a little doubt there and then go and play for Real Madrid. But it's more likely that you'll stay over here, surely, you'd think. Yeah, I can imagine so as well. He's got a young family as well. Um, he seems outside. He doesn't seem like the kind of kind of like a party boy. He doesn't seem like he's going to be like, oh yeah, let's let's take in the, the sights of wherever he moves. He just seems like the kind of fellow who's just like, right, I'm going to go training, going to play, might have a game of golf, go home to the wife and kids, and just hang out. You say that though, but you seen who the the newest guest on Hot Ones is this week? No, it's Harry Kane. <laughs> he's living God. La Vida Loca with Sean and the Wings. I mean, he's not going to be able to get past the first one. I, I, I think that Harry Kane thinks that gravy's too spicy. I get that impression <laughs> from him. Um, I think Bayern Munich would be a really good fit for him. Uh, when they first came in with seventy million, I was like, "That's that's a bit cheeky." I think it's going to take at least a hundred million. Uh, and then when you put on, I'm going to see the Tottenham tax because why not? They're yeah. going to try and get everything. I reckon about one hundred and ten million. I saw that. They're being linked with Vlavic as a backup in case Kane goes. So I think as long as they reinvest the money wisely, I'd I'd take money for him because even even if he does stay, he's he's kind of kind of not sat out of the store, but he's there must have been he must have been given hints that he's he's wanting to leave, of course. So therefore, you're just like, well, his head's going to eventually be turned if we have another bad season. Might as well cash in on him now rather than wait another year and get a little less money for him 
So yeah, if I was Tottenham, I'd be I would be cashing in. Even though the signs they've made so far, it, it looks like they are rebuilding that squad properly. But if you can get the money for them and bring in, I don't know how much Vlavic would go for, but. 60 70 million how much did he go to Juve for because that was only a season or two ago wasn't I can't it? remember but they've got all sorts of financial troubles like with not being in Europe and the like obviously the, the big ban they got last year uh, last season as well at the end there so that, I think yeah. they'll, be, they'll be gagging for someone to come and buy someone like Vlahovic yeah so it, I think that's the most sensible if I was a Spurs fan as much as I'd be loath to leave in Harry Kane uh, losing Harry Kane when you kind of like take your heart over if you thought right if we can get get him away bring in this young formerly prolific goal scorer do it it's such a brave thing from Daniel Levy though because he could he could you know you say 110 million there would get him even if it's like 80 million he's just he's saying no to 80 million at the end of the day because he's going to leave on a free he can start talking to clubs in January to leave for nothing next summer so it's a massive massive gamble from for Spurs as a club I'm sure it's not make and break for Spurs like you know a club the size of Spurs and what they've got going at the moment but you'd rather have 8 million and not have 80 million if you know what I'm saying oh I mean yeah and this is coming from a Liverpool fan the amount of players we've seen leave for freeze Uh, I mean look at Bobby Firmino he he left and then he's gone over to the Saudi league and we could have easily got a couple of quid for that so yeah it is it's it's the old gamble as you say yeah so you're saying Bayern Munich was that what got out that I think Bayern Munich, yeah. yeah. I can I can I can see him there. And obviously you well, you're definitely gonna win the Bundesliga at least, aren't you? So It's something, isn't it? It's better than a kick in the ballocks. Anyway, Ange yeah. Postacoglu has been speaking about this situation this week for the first time. He says Harry is already an important figure in the history of this football club. He's one of the premier players in the world. I want him here and I want to make this club successful. I'm certain he wants that as well. It's not gonna be a conversation where we come out of it with some kind of understanding. I just want to introduce myself and I want to know what he wants to happen to make this football club successful. Then we'll go out on there on the training ground and make it happen, which is exactly what a media trained football manager would say about a certain situation like this. As he's frozen. He's frozen. Ooh, you break in time. Up a bit there oh, he's completely frozen. I've just read that quote from Postacoglu on the notes. You're free. Oh, he's got he's completely frozen. Here, yeah, this is staggering. He's heard this news about Harry Kane and he's absolutely frozen. Anyway, I might as well finish the podcast now. That's exactly what he expected to hear from a media trained football manager. I wanted him to just come out and say, nah, I'm not going to answer your questions about Harry Kane. You can shove them up your arse. He's back. He's moving. Hello. Oh, my God. It's in slow motion. This is this. Oh, that was a horrible noise. This week's edition. Recording in progress. Oh, my God. Is it still going? I've not clicked anything. Jack Atkins is not here. So just end the podcast. Mailbag. Sorry, Ross at holdandgive.com for your mailbag stuff. If you want to round the podcast, follow me on Instagram to see those pictures from this week's mailbag. Please check out the, the, the audio feeds where as and where you can. We're on Spotify. We're on Acast. You know where to find us. I'll end the podcast there. I don't know if this is going to be usable. This is the world we live in. Bloody technology, eh? Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll see you whenever we see you. Goodbye, everyone.